This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Humanity is facing a plastic pollution crisis. It's said that plastic production has risen exponentially in the last decades and now amounts to some 400 million tonnes per year, a figure set to double by 2040. Now, in 2022, UN member states agreed to start negotiating a historic new global treaty to end plastic pollution. The framework is now being negotiated through a series of meetings across the globe and the Intergovernmental Negotiating Committee, or the INC, are working on developing this international legally binding instrument on plastic pollution, also including the marine environment. In conjunction with World Environment Day, which was on the 5th of June, we're going to take up the theme to beat plastic pollution. And joining me today is Magiswari Sangaralingam. She's a senior research officer from Sahabat Alam Malaysia and the Consumers Association of Penang. She's going to talk to us about the talks. She's also going to talk to us about whether a resolution to clearly take us towards a future with no plastic pollution can be a reality. Welcome, Magis. How are you today? All right, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for joining me, Magis. You're always my go-to person when I want to talk about all of these international treaties and what's happening, you know, with regard to um, plastic pollution. Magis, you know, we've been catching up, uh, you know, throughout the years and you've been, you know, helping us to break down, uh, you know, the magnitude of the plastic pollution crisis. But I think, you know, it always warrants a reminder. Can you tell our listeners about, you know, what the plastic pollution crisis is all about and why we should be worried? Okay, uh, before I go ahead, uh, in terms of uh, the World Environment Day was celebrated on 5th of June. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theme this year was uh, Beat Plastic Pollution, yeah, which yeah. Uh, UNAP stated is a reminder that people's actions on plastic pollution matters. Uh, and the data put out by the United Nations uh, Environmental Programme yeah, was really staggering. Yeah, It yeah. seems around the world, 1 million plastic bottles are purchased every minute while up to 5 trillion plastic bags are used worldwide every year. So just imagine yeah, what all this would uh, end up in. Yeah? Uh, so since the 1970s, the rate of plastic production has grown faster than any other material. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Over 430 million tons of plastics are produced annually. So it seems two-thirds of these are short-lived products that soon become waste, and half of all plastic produced is designed for single-use purposes. Mm-hmm. So this global production of uh, primary plastics is forecasted uh, to reach 1,100 million tons by 2050. Uh, so this is in case the historic growth trends continue. Uh, and it is also reported approximately 36% of all plastics produced are used in packaging, including single-use plastic products for food and beverage containers. And uh, out of all this, it is estimated that about uh, 85% of this ends up in landfills, or as unregulated waste. So in terms of the amount of uh, plastic waste that is produced, of the 7 billion tons of plastic waste generated globally so far, it seems less than 10% has been recycled. Some say 9%, now it has come to about 10%. Mm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So in terms of the plastic pollution, what is visible that we can see is in the form of litter. But then there is also the issue of uh, microplastics, yeah. which has been found almost everywhere, including in our bodies. Uh, and then it's not only the plastic waste, yeah, but also the plastics manufacturing. Uh, it also pollutes our waterways and also, you know, the air pollution. Um, and... Uh, uh, in terms of making plastics, they create the plastic makers will create plastic pellets, which is also called uh, noodles, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to manufacture into products. And then since these pellets are made with toxic chemicals, uh, spills and transport losses also spread the toxic chemicals globally. 
primarily to waterways, to our water bodies like rivers, to the oceans. And uh, one study estimated that 230,000 tons of plastic pellets per year enter the environment. This is really a grim scenario yeah? and uh, to tackle the plastic pollution. So we see that we need to get to the root of the problem yeah, in terms of uh, plastic production. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, Magis, um, we always talk about the life cycle of plastic, right? And maybe you can help explain how that full life cycle of plastic actually harms livelihoods, but also the climate. Yeah, so in terms of every piece of plastic, it begins as a fossil fuel. Yeah? And uh, greenhouse gases are emitted at each stage of the plastic life cycle. Uh, so the first one is in terms of uh, fossil fuel extraction and transport. Second will be in terms of plastic refining and manufacture. Third is in terms of managing the plastic waste. And then the, the last one is like plastic's ongoing impact once it reaches our oceans or waterways or also on land. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, you see the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, uh, in his uh, World Environment Day message, he said, plastic is made from fossil fuels. The more plastic we produce, the more fossil fuel we burn, and the worse we make the climate crisis. Yeah, so to learn more about this uh, plastics harms to the climate, um, there's good reference material uh, published by the Center for Environmental uh, International Environmental Law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says that if plastic production and use um, is, you know, if the growth is as currently planned, by 2030 these emissions could reach uh, 1.34 gigatons uh, per year. Yeah, by 2050 it will reach to over 56 gigatons of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, or 10 to 13% of the entire remaining uh, carbon budget. Mm. So they conclude that greenhouse gas emissions from the plastic life cycle will threaten the ability of the global community to keep global temperature rise below 1.5 degrees uh, Celsius. So we will fail in attaining the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement if plastic production is not significantly reduced. So this will lead to climate chaos and also disproportionately impact those on the front line of the plastic pollution crisis and also in terms of the livelihoods of, in general, all communities. It looks, it's pretty bleak, lah, huh, Marcus? You know, it's, it, and it definitely needs like urgent sort of addressing, right? And we caught up last year to discuss the resumed fifth session of the United Nations Environment Assembly or the UNEA 5.2, right? And that was when this historic resolution was adopted to develop an international legally binding instrument on plastic pollution, including in the marine environment. Can you just remind us about this? Yes, I remember speaking to you about this uh, just on the lead up to the uh, UNEA 5.2 meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thanks to the tireless work of the you know Break Free from Plastic Movement, and then we also are members of the Global Alliance for Incidental Alternatives, and also a lot of other CSOs around the world. So in March uh, 2022, all the UN member states, uh, there's 193 of them, adopted the mandate to negotiate the Global Plastics Treaty. So the mandate sets out a goal for the treaty to be negotiated before the end of uh, 2024. Yeah, so yeah. this is a historic step forward, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, to fight uh, plastic pollution. And uh, would that have been possible without the diverse movement of the waste speakers, the CSOs, the zero waste advocates uh, who were demanding systemic change? Okay, uh, so while the mandate provides the general objective and frame for the negotiation, the treaty's content will be developed over the next two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so critical questions must be resolved about the treaty's design, reach and function and how the work will proceed. So following the UNEA 5.2, they had the open-ended working group 
uh, in uh, Dhaka, Senegal. This working group focused on developing the rules of procedure for the negotiation. Yeah. Subsequently, mm-hmm. um, they have what they call the Intergovernmental Negotiating Committee. Uh, these meetings were held. Uh, the first one was in Uruguay in November 2022. Mm-hmm. The second meeting, uh, we call it Inc. 2, uh, took place uh, between May 29 to 2nd of June uh, in uh, uh, Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this had just um, ended. Just concluded, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, so we're going to talk about those, uh, you know, and sort of get you to give us some key takeaways from that. But, you know, why... I guess, you know, this this Global Plastics Treaty, right, is being described as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, can you can you help, like, paint the picture of why it's being said as such? You know, what's at stake here if we don't uh, reach some consensus? Yeah, so the initial development of the treaty, it's centred primarily on uh, visible plastics pollution. Yeah? Mm-hmm. The common scenes of plastic litter in the oceans or marine animals injured by plastics. Um, but, um, you know, we are also part of other um, networks. So what we in the International Pollutants Elimination Network, we call for a plastic treaty that goes beyond the visible plastics pollution, not the end of the life here. Yeah? So uh, we are advocating for a treaty that understands the threats that chemicals and plastics pose uh, to our health and environmental rights. So the plastics treaty, it should eliminate the toxic impacts of plastics throughout the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Uh, so there are three principles that we should serve as the foundation for the plastics treaty. First of all, uh, in terms of plastics as carbon and chemicals. So this is, uh, as I had mentioned, plastic production. Plastic is made from fossil fuels yeah. and also a mix of uh, chemicals. So what we need to do is to solve the plastics problem. We must address all plastics. Yeah. So the scope is not... Ch- only single-use plastics or plastic litter. Yeah, it should also put the responsibility for reducing production. Yeah, uh, of plastics. So we go to the root of the problem. The source of the problem is the fossil fuel industry. Yes. Yeah? So, yeah. so that is the first principle. The second one is uh, we need to address the harmful health effects from chemicals in plastics. Yeah, um, because chemicals in plastics have been linked to cancer, uh, infertility, and also other serious conditions. So when plastics poison our bodies and pollute our communities, we also lose the opportunity to live healthy, productive lives and also it will also impact our livelihoods. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the third one, uh, because they are saying, okay, so we can have still have plastics, we can uh, do recycling and they're mm. saying we need a circular economy, Yeah, put it mm-hmm. in the circular economy. Mm. But then you see the toxics uh, and then the chemicals in plastics uh, it makes it incompatible with um, uh, circular economic approaches mm-hmm. yeah, because there is still toxics. So we need immediate steps to significantly reduce the production of plastics yeah? mm-hmm. and uh, shift towards uh, materials economy to promote safer and sustainable materials. So these are the three principles and uh, we would, yeah, we are fighting for this in the uh, Global Plastics Treaty to include all this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's not even get started on the myths of recycling plastic, right? That's a whole uh, show. <laughs> That's a whole show on its own. Okay. Um, I guess let's just go for a quick break. And then when we come back, let's talk about, you know, uh, these other meetings that have been happening and, you know, some of the outcomes from that. I'm speaking today to Magiswari Sangarilingam. She's the Senior Research Officer for Sahabat Allah Malaysia and the Consumers Association of Penang. Uh, it's our World Environment Day special. You know, we're talking about global solutions to beat plastic pollution. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. Be FM 89.9.
Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me on the line today, Magiswari Sangaralingam. She's a Senior Research Officer with Sahabat Alam Malaysia and the Consumers Association of Penang. We are talking all about plastic today. You know, it was World Environment Day on the 5th of June. The theme was to beat plastic pollution. Uh, just recently also, you know, there have been intergovernmental negotiating committee meetings which just concluded in Paris, you know, and this is to help sort of hash out what the Global Plastics Treaty is going to look like. You know, they've got until, uh, I think, mid-2020s, right, to get Get that sorted out. Um, I guess, you know, ultimately, how will the scope of this global treaty be decided? You know, what would it actually look like uh, or how should it look like, I suppose, as well? Yeah, so uh, uh, in the UNEA 5.2 resolution, it was decided that the Intergovernmental uh, Negotiating Committee, uh, that committee has to develop the instrument, mm-hmm. yeah, which could include both binding and voluntary approaches based on a comprehensive approach. Uh, as we keep on saying, addresses the full life cycle of plastics. So this would uh, have to take into account um, principles of the Rio Declaration on Environment and Development, as well as uh, also include the national circumstances and capabilities, including uh, provisions to specify the objectives of the instrument. Yeah, uh, So a lot of countries are also saying there is a need for financial mechanism to support the implementation of the instrument, including Mm. uh, the option of a dedicated multilateral fund. So no uh, use of having a treaty and then you can't implement it yeah? Yeah. because uh, a lot of uh, countries are under-resourced. Yeah? Uh, yeah. So what we think that uh, it should, uh, the plastic treaty has to regulate areas in the life cycle of plastics that are not covered by other international bodies or conventions yeah? because you also have the Stockholm Convention, the Basel Convention and, and, and those conventions are looking into some aspects of the um, plastics but not everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we are calling for the objective of the plastics to include the protection of human health and the environment based on the precautionary principle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, this principle is uh, included in many international agreements and states that where there is a threat of uh, significant harm to health or the environment, lack of uh, full scientific certainty uh, should not be used as a reason for um, you know, postponing measures to avoid or minimize the threat. Yeah, so okay. okay uh, so when you're discussing the plastic treaty, the process should guarantee and promote wide, inclusive, and transparent public participation. Yeah, mm. and including uh, ensuring financial support for equal participation. Yeah, from uh, low developing countries uh, to go for the uh, treaty negotiations and also for civil society organizations. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, and we keep emphasizing that the treaty must tackle the problem of plastic pollution at its source. Yeah. And it yeah. must include the expertise of those most harmed uh, by and familiar with those uh, sources. Yeah, so those uh, uh, communities who are in the f- front line and the fence line communities. Mm-hmm. Everyone should have a seat at that table, yes. isn't it, to negotiate? Yes. Okay, and mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to discuss a little bit about that, you know, uh, in terms of the second meeting. But um, so, you know, we wanted so the, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the first meeting of the uh, Inc, the Intergovernmental Negotiating Committee uh, to develop this uh, legally binding instrument on plastic pollution um, uh, took place late last year, as you mentioned, right? I mean, were there any key takeaways from those sessions uh, from late last year? Okay, uh, the Inc one was the first formal meeting of the body. Uh, so uh, it was tasked with preparing the future legal instrument. Okay. Yeah, the agenda items focus on the administration and organization matters of the negotiating body, okay. uh, including the election of the bureau. Yeah, so the bureau uh, will provide guidance to, to the secretariat in organizing uh, further meetings of the Inc and also um, uh, adoption of the rules of procedure. So this is a document uh, that will set forth the rules yeah, for how the committee will operate 
And uh, this is also critical in terms of the long-term success of the negotiations and also the treaty. Mm. So during Inc. 1 itself, it was reported the negotiating body could not reach an agreement on these items. And so, um, and so they had opted for votes on this issue among the first agenda item for Inc. 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coming out from the Inc. 1 also, the Secretariat was requested uh, no, the Secretary requested that member states and also other stakeholders to submit documents outlining uh, potential elements for the future treaty. So a lot of groups and also member states had sent the um, uh, document. So uh, what we want to be included as an element in the treaty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, common themes that emerged include a strong ambition in acknowledging the health, climate, uh, biodiversity, human rights harms that come from the full life cycle of plastics. And we keep emphasizing it should not be just end of life. Don't just look at the plastic pollution at uh, as waste. Yeah. yeah. So uh, some member states also included controls on production volumes and uh, hazardous chemicals. Um, so based on the submissions, the Secretary produced an options paper uh, that served as a um, partial menu of options for the future treaty. So for Inc. 2, uh, this was uh, supposed to be discussed. Okay. All right. So, and, uh, you know, also we just saw the conclusion of that second meeting, right? Inc. 2, uh, which t- uh, took place in Paris. Uh, what was the aim for this particular meeting then? Yeah. So since uh, I had mentioned earlier, there was the options paper. So the uh, UNEP had set forward the goal um, of having a zero draft of the treaty uh, okay. by Inc. 3. So, okay. uh so that was what was supposed to be done in Inc. 2, yeah, to okay. have a zero draft ready so that we can have a discussion on uh, during Inc. 3. Mm. And the outstanding business from Inc. 1 has to be addressed. As I mentioned, you, uh, they were uh, going to vote on some unresolved agenda items from mm. Inc. 1. Okay. So this include the composition of the bureau and then uh, also discuss the rules of procedure. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, lastly, also in the location of uh, future negotiations because there are a few countries who had put forward um, their uh, request yeah, to, uh, mm. to host the future ink. Okay. So that was also supposed to be um, uh, voted on. Okay. Yeah, so. uh, if you want me to uh, talk more about the rules of procedure, I can do that also. Okay, can. Yeah, so yeah. the rules will govern how the committee will operate. Yeah. Uh, so this was initially, as I mentioned earlier, was developed in the open-ended working group meeting in Dhaka. Okay. Yeah, and um, so... At Inc. 1, the member states agreed upon all the elements of the rules of procedure except for one paragraph yeah, relating uh, to how votes of um, groups such as the European Union, these are economically integrated regions, um, so how their votes will be accounted for. Yeah. Um, so, and, and another one was in terms of um, um, you know, the decisions that are made. Yeah? Mm. Uh, well, it has to be made by consensus. Or, and where consensus is not possible, then by a two-thirds um, majority. Okay. So that was not decided at that time in Inc. 1. Uh, so they said, uh, for the time being, member states said they will provisionally use the rules of procedure until uh, formal adoption in the upcoming negotiations. Mm, okay. 
Okay. All right. Thanks for thanks for you know breaking that down for us. But you know <laughs> I've been reading stuff lah. Um, I guess you know from the uh, Inc. Two meeting, and it hasn't really been good things lah. So it's been described as, and I'm quoting here, a meeting that was dominated by delay tactics and maneuvers to neuter any possibility of an effective treaty before negotiations of the text itself even began. Uh, then the Break Free from Plastic team wrote about how they uh, they see this process as one that was getting hijacked by a seemingly innocuous debate around what you just told us about, you know, the rules of procedure. Uh, can you expand on all of this for us? Okay, uh, so I did not attend the negotiations in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, but I had been following the negotiations uh, online. Yeah. Uh, so there were plenary sessions that were uh, being telecast, live streamed yeah, online. Okay. And uh, through reports from our networks, our friends in uh, Breakfast from Plastic Movement and uh, the Global Alliance for Incidental Alternatives. So uh, according to them, the five-day negotiations, it's called for almost two days wow. due to the delay. Really, you know, the there are the certain parties with strong Western interests. They try to derail the uh, discussions, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to make the potential treaty as weak as possible, so that you know we find that they want to continue production as usual, yeah, mm-hmm. fossil plastic production, yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, in terms of the procedural issues, so as I mentioned earlier, yeah, the first two days progress was uh, held hostage. A small handful of large oil and uh, plastic producing countries. I don't want to name them, but uh, but you know, yeah, it was also in the uh, live streaming. So it was um, mostly Saudi Arabia and um, some uh, countries that were supporting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they used the procedural issues to delay the discussions on the actual content. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if if you it's on consensus, there is like veto power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there won't be opportunity for voting. Right. Yeah. Um, so one single country uh, they can delay or completely block, yeah, for a strong plastics treaty. So mm. there are some um, you know standard negotiations uh, which were successful, like Minamata Convention Mercury. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that doesn't have a consensus, uh, you still can go on for the two thirds majority. Okay. Uh, and another thing that we found was uh, the Intu also hosted at least hundred ninety industry lobbies. Yeah, Gosh. who use the access and uh, and they've got a lot of resources. So they, they undermine calls for plastic reduction by promoting uh, technological fixes like they say, oh, chemical recycling or we can do plastic credits or plastic offsetting. So uh, these are things that happened in Intu. Okay. All right. So, so not great. Hundred and ninety. Yeah. And it was okay. All right. And in terms of you know, <laughs> in terms of you know, uh, CSOs and you know, uh, NGOs and things like that. What was the representation like? Um, so, uh, UNEP reported there were uh, altogether 1,700 um, um, delegates who attended. So, this includes the member states and uh, CSOs and also the industry. Yeah? Okay. Um, so, in terms of the CSOs' uh, participation, it was kind of limited also because there was not enough access cards mm. um, uh, in the beginning. And then later on, they sorted it out. Yeah. For each um, uh, organization accredited body, they were given one card and then you will have to, uh, know, whoever wants to attend, if you have more than two or three people uh, uh, in that organization who was uh, going to attend the uh, negotiations, yeah. you know, you will have to wait until your friend comes out and gives you the card. Yeah, that's not so, productive yeah, at all. Okay. Yeah, not productive. Okay. And um, another thing that uh, was heard in the negotiations was, we keep on mentioning about circular economy. Mm. So uh, this uh, phrase is also in danger of industry co-opting yeah, um, the word the circular economy. Mm. Yeah, and then so they move the con- conversation towards plastic recycling, uh, and away from the you know what we have been calling for, uh, in terms of uh, reducing plastic production itself. Uh, 
Yeah? And then we are calling for reuse economy here yeah? mm-hmm. uh, and also in terms of refilling and all that. So, so mm-hmm, although, yeah. yeah, as I mentioned, although recycling has its place, but then it is a non-circular material. If it, so you know, because we keep mentioning there's toxics and chemicals. So if you keep on um, recycling something which is toxic, so whatever product that is coming out is also toxic, yeah, and Correct. has the chemicals in it. So we should not uh, be looking into that, yeah, or you know the what they call the circular economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, another thing that was worrying, it seems also there was false narratives. Um, that the plastics industry is paddling uh, in terms of plastic waste trade, you know, uh, how it has been polluting our communities. Yeah? Uh, so, so with that, you know, this it's really ridiculous, yeah, through this, um, you know, the waste colonialism, they feel that, you know, it is somehow good for developing countries' economies. So you can use chemical recycling or you subsidize through plastic credits. So this is really like... Um, we are not in favor of that. So we are still fighting this, yeah. So mm. uh, you know, like what I had mentioned earlier, in reality, you know, this kind of schemes, all this um chemical recycling, uh burning plastics in cement kilns, they all lead to more waste being dumped in our backyards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially like Malaysia was the top destination for plastic waste. Yeah. Since uh, China closed its doors. So when you burn more plastics in plastic cement kilns, there will be more polluted air entering our lungs of our children. Also, the you know plastic production will still continue and um, cause problems and also cause uh, the climate crisis. Yeah, so yeah. we will continue to fight against this uh, industry's influence at the ink. Yeah, and um, demand that the member states yeah and UNEP also um, include the representation of people who are most impacted by plastic pollution. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, not to include the industry yeah that is profiting from mm. plastics production and also in terms of the the management. Okay, all right. So, so not uh, quite a lot of uh, concerning outcomes, lah, huh, from this particular mm-hmm. set of meetings. Yes, yes. But I, I mean, any <laughs> not to you know not to be a downer all the time, right? I mean, but I'm sure there were some positive outcomes as well, right, from Inc. Two. Yes. Uh, so the Inc. Chair was given the mandate to prepare the zero draft of the international legally binding agreement on plastic pollution. Yeah. So we had been calling for this. And also some countries have also called for global reduction targets on uh, plastic production. And uh, the talks have advanced from a focus on plastic as a waste and pollution problem uh, to the current movement toward a treaty that addresses the threats to health and biodiversity, yeah? from uh, including the chemicals throughout the plastics life cycle. So priority is also given uh, uh, to a just transition to safer and uh, more sustainable livelihoods for workers across the plastic supply chain. Yeah, it's not only the waste because there's also uh, a lot of workers across the plastic supply chain. So this is made possible because, you know, in terms of presence of the civil society organizations so that the member states can listen to them and also uh, bring up these uh, suggestions. Okay. All right. So, okay. Some good things, some good things there. And I guess, yeah. you know, what, what's going to happen next, Magis? You know, I mean, there's going to be an Inc. 3 and beyond as well, isn't it? They've sort of sorted out those issues as well. Yeah, so um, in the decision, yeah, the uh, Intergovernmental Negotiating Committee had requested the Secretariat to invite submissions from observers mm-hmm. um, uh, by 15th of August and members, uh, member states by 15th of September on elements that were not discussed at INC2, okay. uh, such as principles and scope of the instrument and also any other potential areas uh, uh, to be included into the 
work of the ink tree. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so the secretary also expressed a commitment to ensuring that the next ink venue will be able to accommodate the growing interest from civil society. Mm, yeah. Definitely. So there will be more um, uh, civil society, society presence there. And um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the next meeting will be in uh, Kenya, in uh, in Nairobi, mm-hmm. in November 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so, accessibility is so important as well, right? And, yes, yeah. yes. Mm. Yeah, and because although the rules of procedure, they did design towards um, broad participation, but they, it, it has to be, you know, you have to make it essential yeah. to ensure the participation occurs. Uh, and also, just it has to be meaningful, yeah? It mm. has to be a just, transparent, and also inclusive manner. Just don't like, um, you know, for sure, having the people there, but then you're not listening to us. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, in terms of uh, uh, the civil society uh, groups are also saying that, you know, you have to have for uh, science-based negotiations, you, know, you need to also pay attention to the inclusion of scientists. Yeah. And uh, also adoption of a strong conflict of interest policy. You know, because there are some good scientists and also bad scientists who work for the industry. Yeah, so we want our good scientists to be there. Uh, and also the focus area should also include uh, recognizing and including fence line communities and workers. Yeah? And uh, also create mechanisms to incorporate their inputs into the whole treaty. Yeah, So it's the um, perspective of the civil society, the indigenous people, uh, the waste workers, yeah, waste speakers, and also traditional knowledge holders. So all our perspectives has to be included. Okay. All right. So, so you are hopeful, though, Magis. You know that you know we will sort of find a way to achieve an ambitious global plastics treaty. I mean, what what do you think? You know, what are you hoping will happen? Uh, what must the treaty include? You know, so that we can end this plastic crisis once and for all. Okay. Uh, to make sure that our uh, we want an ambitious plastics treaty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have the civil society organisation and the networks yeah, in the breakthrough from plastic movement uh, and also including. Um, groups that we are also part of, uh, the Consumer Association of Penang and uh, Sahaba Alam Malaysia. Mm-hmm. We have um, a Global Alliance for Incidental Alternatives, the International Pollutants Elimination Network, also Friends of the Earth uh, International, yeah. and all our allies. We want to be present there for the entirety of the negotiations yeah? Yeah. to make sure our issues are represented. Yeah? Uh, but don't just rely on us. We need strong support and uh, continuing pressure from people all over the world to ensure that we get a strong treaty treaty that meets the scale of the crisis. Now, it's really a very huge crisis that we are facing now in terms of the plastic pollution. Yeah. Um, so this is what we are looking forward to. You know, sometimes when I talk to people, right, they're like, you know, how can we ever, you know, go to like a place where we don't have plastics? But the fact is, we did actually come from a place where we had no plastics, right? It's only been in this last sort of century where it's come up. Um, So it is not unrealistic, right, that we can actually come to a consensus and find alternatives. I mean, right? I mean, would I be right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what you're saying. You can go back to the basics. What happened like 50 years ago? I remember we never had plastics at that time. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's true. Um, During our age, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's become so ubiquitous, right? It's become so like, I mean, it's just part of our lives. But I mean, the the scale of the crisis is ridiculous. So we have to, we have to change. Otherwise, it's just where, it's everywhere. Like you say, it's in our bodies, it's in our placentas even, right? It's just Mm. everywhere. So we need to come to some sort of agreement. Um, Magis, you know, thank you so much for joining me and for helping to explain all of that. Um, Any uh, any parting message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, as I had mentioned, we want an ambitious plastics treaty. So the legally binding agreement, it should, include plastic reduction targets yeah, mm. and also er- eradicate the toxics out of these plastics. 
and exclude false solutions like incineration, chemical recycling, and all these plastic credits. Yeah? yeah. So we need to scale up zero waste solutions such as reuse. Yeah. What our uh, you know our forefathers did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors also. You know, we came from a reuse economy. It's nothing new. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We should go back to that. Yeah. And so we should. Um, the treaty should also center a just transition for waste pickers and also waste uh, workers and also other groups at the front lines of the plastics um, crisis. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Magis, uh, for, for joining me today. I've been speaking to Magis Warisangarilingam, Senior Research Officer with Sahabat Alam Malaysia and the Consumers Association of Penang. Uh, I think, you know, Magis, you know, some good resources to head to if uh, people would like to find out more would probably be uh, the Break Free From Plastic uh, website, right? So breakfreefromplastic.org. Uh, you know, there's plenty of resources there. You can also head to the Sahabat Alam Malaysia website. That's foe-malaysia.org. If you missed any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.org my slash earth you can also find it on the bfm app this has been earth matters on the bigger picture bfm 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app